Welcome to the Elevate the Edge podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez of Lopez Research, and I'm joined with my co-host, Joe Peterson of Clarify 360. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Elevate the Edge is published bi-weekly. The podcast focuses on helping companies understand what edge computing is, how the market will evolve, and what you need to know to build successful edge computing strategies. Show notes and subscription links can be found at elevatetheedge.com slash episodes. We hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, and I'm joined here with my fabulous co-host, Joe Peterson. Hey, Joe. Hey, Maribel. And today, we are excited to be sharing some time with Lori McVitty. Lori is a principal technical evangelist F5 uh, in the office of the CTO. Uh, She's a strategic technologist with a talent for distilling complex concepts with consumable content, which is exactly what we're trying to do in this podcast. So I'm pretty excited to have her on representing some really interesting technology that's been in the edge for a while now and how that whole distributed computing landscape is changing. Welcome to the show, Lori. Ah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited about this. All right, just to get started, could you maybe give us a few words on what a principal technical evangelist does and what F5 does, just to lay a little context for the audience? Okay, so what I do, I know things and I write. It doesn't get any simpler than that. That's perfect. That's perfect. (laughs) And and F5 uh, secures and delivers applications and digital services. Perfect. And you know, it's so funny when you said that, I was like, sometimes I know things and sometimes I write about them. So maybe we do some things that are similar in a lot of ways. And I know Joe knows a lot of things and writes about a lot of things. So Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Oh, I'm not nearly as good a writer as you are, Maribel. I struggle with that. Honestly, I do. Um, But I do have a question here for you, Lori. I want to, you know, the primary use case of early edge computing with CDNs. Mm-hmm. How has it evolved in the data services and apps powerhouse that it is today? Wow. Technology has gotten better in a nutshell, right? We've got compute power has expanded, but it requires less space. Networks have gotten faster, fatter, and everywhere. So you put those two together and suddenly you have greater capacity, you have greater compute power, and now you have containers, which make it easy to move pieces of applications even anywhere you want with relative ease if you have the skills. So when you put that all together, basically the space for where we can actually run uh, applications where we can store data has grown. So now it includes my laptop, a server in my closet, uh, you know, the back closet of, uh, you know, Jim's bait shop down the road. That that could be the edge. Um, it's It can be just about anywhere. So that has expanded how you can use it, right? In the beginning, you had to build a location where you could store that data so someone could get it. That's a CDM. I'm going to move the data, the, the data or the content closer. But you had to build a place to store it. And then people said, wow, wait, I can run services there too. 
security is is a big big one right security always moves everything so security services started occupying those spaces but you still need a lot of compute power to do that you need a whole infrastructure for it right but now uh, you know it could be anywhere so we have the capability and we have the networks and the speed so the use cases are just expanding every day someone is coming up with a new way to say, what could we do now that we can put apps and data anywhere? Absolutely. And I, I love where we started with this because I do think we've been building the edge for a long time and some things have changed in terms of how we think about the edge. You know, one is obviously that um, we talk a lot about how we're creating a lot more data at the edge because more things are connected. And we talk about um, how there are services that are going to be delivered to consumers at the edge. You know, people talk about gaming and other things that are interesting. But what's another benefit of the edge that you think people aren't thinking about that often at this point? So we see um, two that are actually very popular. Um, one is reach. Right. Performance matters when it comes to all sorts of applications, games, experiences. Right. So performance matters. And there's a significant number of you know, digital users out there who would play games or use apps or do more work online if the performance was acceptable. But data centers and cloud don't reach everywhere and they don't solve all the performance challenges. Edge gives you the opportunity to expand your reach because now you can get very close to those users and those populations that may not have had access to a wide range of different services, capabilities, you know, opportunities, you know, in the past. So I think that's a use case, you know, or benefit that people really don't think about is not just from a company perspective, what's my benefit? Well, reach, but what's the benefit to people? Right. The ability to suddenly take advantage of opportunities and have all sorts of experiences they might not otherwise have had access to. This is one of the really key topics that I think the 5G community has been anchoring in on a lot. Like, why do you need 5G? Why isn't 4G good enough? And one of the things they always talk about is the ability to have that performance that you just mentioned because of the issues around latency with having certain applications transmit all this data back somewhere and then have the inf information come back. If we want to do things that may be more real time, if we want to do things that require more performance, you know, whether it's consumer or business, you know, we, we talked about, say, maybe a gaming example. There's also a factory floor examples. People talk about, about wanting to shut down equipment or uh, make some decisioning in, in more real time. So I think that performance aspect is really key and there's lots of different ways we can get at it in the edge. Absolutely. I mean, think about healthcare. So a long time ago, I needed to have a, uh, a heart test run. So they give you a monitor. You have to wear it for three days. You have wires all over. You can't take it off and it collects all this data here. That's it. And then you take it back to your healthcare provider and they have to look at it. Today, if you've got 5G, if you're using edge, maybe right? That device could be sending it to the doctor, right? In real time. And they would actually be able to talk to you immediately after you had some kind of an incident or something happened and go, okay, how did you feel? What were you doing? You would immediately be able to recognize, right? And start building the relationship between 
what was going on and what happened in your, in your health situation. So I think that's a, a huge use case um, that we don't really you know talk about that real time capability that starts to tie together pieces of information that we might otherwise lose. Because I didn't remember what I was doing two days ago at two o'clock in the afternoon that caused my heart to race. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> so the doctor's like, well, maybe it was just a thing. You know, <laughs> it's, you know, they would be more real time. So it's real time too for the people. And that's important. Yeah. And here's, here's a stumper question. What did you have for dinner two nights ago, Lori? Um, Wait, I know this. I know this. I mean, I made it. I should know this. I, it, it I can't remember what I what I and I made it too. So I don't know. <laughs> I know my teenager inhaled it. I that's that's it. Thumbs up. Thumbs up on the teenager pleasing chart. There you go. That's right. But I, but I love the healthcare example. You know, can you talk to us about one or two others that you've seen? Um, well, you know, you mentioned manufacturing, right? The ability to 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 actually, right, analyze and do things like predictive maintenance. Usually, we talk about running machines, but a lot of the machines that are running are automated, uh, but they sometimes break down. And in something like, oh, say a paper plant, which we have a lot of in Wisconsin, um, and I have friends who work there, and you know, so I have a you know, all sorts of stories, but if they break down, they can cause serious, right, injury to people because of how close they are and, and watching them. And they don't always get the alerts fast enough if it has to go off to the cloud or a data center because that's not located right in the manufacturing plant. But being able to move that analysis and, and be able, being able to do more, um, you know, historical comparison of what's going on, they can start predicting, hey, this thing is going to need X so it doesn't break down. So you can go and fix the problem before it potentially breaks and causes injury. I think that's a that's another good use case. Um, you know, Maribel mentioned gaming a couple of times. You know, I'm going to say, sorry, I'm a fan. Yes, right? More gaming at the edge. Now, please, please. <laughs> Love it. I mean, actually, the edge opportunities are endless, really, when we think about them. It's just a matter of matching the right performance, the right cost, um, trying to get the changes in the workflow within businesses to actually happen. Uh, are there any particular, I mean, you guys are kind of at the forefront of some of this. Are there any particular industries that you're seeing or kind of embracing or driving the charge? I mean, Joe asked for use cases. I mean, maybe that's a similar uh, discussion, but I was just wondering if this is a vertical thing or you seeing it across the board? Seeing it mostly across the board. So we do a research every year into a number of topics and edges is one of them this year. And we asked about use cases, about benefits, what kind of workloads are you going to you know, put out? And it was universal across every industry. I think education was probably the, the lowest that they were like, nah, you know, we don't need that. You know, like my kid would disagree after doing remote school for a while. You need the edge. <laughs> they probably have no money for it, right? You know, that's right. That's that's a problem right now. But there are, I think every industry is looking at it for different right uses, right? Anything that needs lower latency, anything that needs better performance, right? Anything that can benefit or for their employees. 
I mean, actually improving the employee experience, especially with remote work taking hold, is a significant use case and a driver for many organizations, even if they're not going to use it for their customers or their business, right? Their employees making my experience better. Um, and that's that's a good thing because, right, how many of us are working a lot with, you know, different types of, of cloud apps or we have to use apps that are in a data center somewhere else. Um, and the performance isn't always that great. It's not. It's interesting you bring that up because I've seen a very interesting shift. So when we went from everybody worked at the office to everybody worked remotely, there was some of that consideration and it was always sort of viewed as temporary. Now that we're going, a lot of companies have returned to office. I think what they're missing the memo on is that it's hybrid. Mm -hmm. Even if you return to the office, it doesn't mean that you're going to be there five days a week. So therefore the edge to your point is a lot of places. It's, you know, when you are managing, you're managing edge computing by n number of nodes that equal your employee. And yes. So yes. I, surprisingly, one of the top use cases we found was actually globally re-architecting net corporate networks to support a remote workforce, right? They're thinking about how does our network look? Because what we had was all about protecting the perimeter and keeping all the right stuff inside. And now it's everywhere. How do we change? How do we use the edge, 5G, you know, uh, sassy, you know, zero trust? How do we apply all these things and bring in edge and actually make this work? It's a new world. What are we going to do? Yeah, I was on one of those re-architecture calls at seven o'clock this morning, Lori. Oh, love yeah. <laughs> Got it all done at 7 a.m. No, no, and they, you know, they're global and they wanted to know about stuff like connectivity in Russia. What's going on there? You know, right? That's a thing. It's a, it's a thing because it's a problem right now. But right. you're right to the point of, you know, they they definitely are looking at 5G alternatives mm -hmm. um, to connectivity and they have decommissioned a number of offices that they've determined they aren't ever going back to. Wow. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're just, mm -hmm. they're just not, you know, this portion of the portfolio is, is not coming back. And so they're re-architecting the whole network. Wow. Um, so yeah. here's, here's a, a good thinker writer question for you. I think, um, <laughs> What's the difference between IoT and Edge? And why does the terminology we use really matter? Wow. Well, they're completely different letters. There's not even overlap between the two. I mean, I'd start there, but... Um, the bet? Okay, good. <laughs> All right, I got the first question. Um, so, I mean, the difference is IoT, right? The Internet of Things, now that's been going on for a long time, right? And it's really more about all of the, the devices that are connecting. Not necessarily your laptop, I mean, and my phone. Those are things, but they're not. They're still powered by me. It's more like the, uh, you know, the, the automation on my fish tank. That's a thing. It's connected to the, really, don't laugh, Maribel. It's a real thing. I paid a lot of money for this thing. It was... <laughs> No, no, no. I'm laughing because there was this whole discussion in my house about how someday if we ever moved to the country, my husband wanted to have chickens and he wanted to like IOT enable the feeding and the gate yes. raising. And I'm just yes. like, okay. And then you tell me you've automated the fish tank and I'm like, oh, yeah. two peas yeah. in the pod right there. Absolutely. 
it keeps it topped off. It does all these things. I can do it remotely from the internet, but that's a thing. I don't generally interact with it. Really, it's a, a sensor or it does something, right? And it's triggered by some event. This is really huge in agriculture, um, not just for the chickens, but for the fields. It tests the, the soil acidity, the, you know, how dry is it, how not dry is it. Um, they can you know, do all the irrigation automatically based on the sensors from the Internet of Things, which is cool. But the edge is is a location, right? I mean, they're not actually doing any of the compute. They're sensors for the most part. And I think that's what the big difference is, really, is that most of the IoT is about sensors and delivering information and maybe performing, you know, pre, pre, predetermined tasks. But the edge is more about, well, you can put compute there. It could do anything, right? It's about the workload that you're putting there, not necessarily having it prescribed by your particular device. That's a great way to think about it. Maribel, over to you. <laughs> yeah, you know, so so I think, you know, I've been looking at the IoT and the edge thing for a while as well. And, you know, one of the things I think is really different about it now, in my opinion, is that we've moved from the concept of this is all about connection, which IoT was all about, like, can we get the things connected? Do we ha can we have something that speaks all the protocols for the legacy systems and the new systems and put sensors on them and, and, you know, move, you know, we moved from 2G to 3G. So I, I think we're out of that phase when we move to edge computing. And I think that that's really good because now it's not so much about the, can we get connected? It's more about the, what are we going to do with it right now? And I guess that leads me into my next question, which is, you know, when you think about the edge, what are some of the most exciting edge use cases right now? Is there like a next big thing for the edge? Like, you know, we talked about some use cases just a minute ago, but when you're sitting there and you're thinking about the future, do you say, okay, when we finally get to a reasonable state of edge computing where we think it's relatively mature, what are we going to be doing? I'm, I'm going to be playing video games because ah, I'm nice. tired. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be a few years. I'm getting close. Um, no, I, you know, gaming, gaming is definitely one of them that's going to benefit that we talk about it, but it's really not there. And what that's going to do is once they can do that, then you, you hear talk about him, you know, metaverse and all this virtual stuff and the AR stuff that, you know, I, I try to go, yes, it's there. I'm going to stay away from it because that. It would be a really great use, though, when you yes, think of that technology. I talked to somebody that does, um, what do you call it? Um, they're doing, if you have fear issues and you want to face your fears to try to overcome them, they're now using AR and VR to help treat people. And, okay, that's not the metaverse, but it's a good example of something that's between here and the metaverse. It yeah. sort of makes sense to me that I'm like, okay, real average people could do that. I'm not sure that the three of us want to be like walking around some kind of virtual reality saying, hey, with our little avatars and stuff. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean that there won't be an interesting place for design and other things. And I think Edge could be interesting in that. So to your point. There, there are use cases for it for a lot of companies you wouldn't wouldn't think about. Like we had a group of interns that actually built a mobile app that was based on AR, VR for a 
a fictional uh, fitness center that would allow you to right in virtual right understand how how the machines work. So how do you do the exercises on this particular machine? Well, think about that. Transfer that to physical therapy, right? I need to do physical therapy because I hurt my back. And I have to do these things, but I'm not sure, am I doing it right? Am I not, right? Maybe a little bit more, right, where you have like an actual, where you can see the person in more 3D because just seeing it on a screen doesn't always work so well. But if you can, right, I mean, get in there, see how it works. Training on devices, uh, especially on, right, heavy equipment. Um, You need to learn how to drive a forklift. I know that's on your list uh, of things to do next. So, but teach me how to drive, Right, a forklift. When I was a when this edge thing doesn't work out, that's where Joe and I are going to be. I think you should. Right? Do you, did you go through? Because that's a necessary skill that like real companies need. So, well, driving a forklift, driving a car. Right? We had remember the simulators for drivers' ed back in the day. Right? Exactly. Imagine that more real. Right? And more- I wish I had that. I had a real person, and it was horrifying. <laughs> For you or the person, Maribel, for you or the both, person. Both, both. I thought the poor guy was going to have a coronary, but that's a different issue. There are so many. Imagine having two student drivers in the same simulation, right, in the in the virtual world, driving around together, right? Don't hit each I mean, the, the possibilities for where this could go are endless. But oh. to do that, you really need the edge because you need kind of the peer-to-peer, right, get you in a, a multiplayer type of, of situation where... You know, the whole class is in there. Okay, drive. See where so you're saying your teenager is getting his or her license is what I'm hearing. Yeah, soon. I know. Sorry. <laughs> Joe, is it that time for the fun fact? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that your fun? Yeah. So well, that's, we're having too much fun here. I love I know, it. I know. So engaging, Lori. Um, but I always ask, you know, a fun fact to wrap up the podcast. And so... What fun fact do you have for us today? I I went, I found out, and I did this because my, my husband's, uh, part of his family is Scottish. And it turns out that in Scotland, there are 421 different words for snow. What? <laughs> yes. It's yes. snow. How many different ways could it be? Oh, you know, a light snow, a drizzle for the, you know, the, the snow that's kind of sleet. The snow that's kind of rain. Um, <laughs> there were there's a there's a lot of possibilities. Maybe they have different snow there. Maybe wow. if we use the edge right and combine VR, we can go there and see all the different types of snow. Just <laughs> makes me think that it must snow a lot if you've got that many words, right? So yikes. Okay. Well, on that note, I wish everybody warmth and a snow shovel. So this has been Elevate the Edge. Lori, thank you. Joe, thank you. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe so you can easily find us again. Follow us on Twitter at Maribel Lopez and at Digital Cloud Gal and on LinkedIn. Links to our social profiles, show notes, and ways to listen to the podcast can be found at elevatetheedge.com. Oh,